It's been weeks of ruminating over it and you're still not sure. There's a friendship that you've had for so long that you don't remember what things were like before she came into your life. But lately, it's become hard to ignore that things have changed and you're scared to admit that not only have you outgrown the friendship, but that it seems to be actively harmful for you to maintain. So what do you do? Earlier this year, I asked more than 600 women about their friendships. One of the questions I posed was this. Is there currently, right now in this moment, a friendship that you're considering terminating? And nearly 30% of respondents said yes. Now, if that's the case, we need to be equipped with insights, research, and knowledge to help us make that decision with wisdom and compassion and confidence. We need to be sure. Because making the decision to end a friendship should not be taken lightly. It should not be impulsive, punitive, or premature. So in today's episode, I want to share with you a clip of a conversation that I had with Erin Faulkner. She's a psychotherapist and author of the book that's aptly titled, How to Break Up with Your Friends. Again, this was less of an interview, more of a conversation, and there were many moments where I just let Erin go for it and just kind of spotlight her to break down for us the things that we should consider before dissolving a friendship. Now, for those of you who are members of our group chat, uh, specifically those of you who are tier two members, the full unedited 30-minute conversation is available right now, so you can go and listen to that anytime. And if you're not a member of our group chat, you can join at betterfemalefriendships.com slash group chat because we'd love to have you over there. And as a matter of fact, while you go and do that, I'm going to let the intro music play. And then when we return, we're jumping right into our conversation with Aaron. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. You know, in the world of therapy, there is individual therapy, there's couples therapy, there's family therapy, and yet there's no friendship therapy. And that's which I'm just so happy to hear that you are a specific friendship coach, because I feel like as a result of there not being, you know, kind of, you know, therapeutic norms around these relationships, for me, it means that there's no conflict, there's no kind of vocabulary or language for conflict, navigating conflict in these relationships. There's no blueprint of how, you know, a really good friendships could and should look like and what really kind of not great friendships shouldn't look like. When friends break up, it's not necessarily, we always think like in movies and TV, there's some big betrayal, you know what I mean? Some big like backstab. But for me, in my experience with in my own relationships and just all the people I talk to, it's so much more often death by a thousand cuts, like tiny little, right? Tiny little either irritations or disrespect or boundaries being crossed, or you haven't set up a firm boundary. And so, you know, it's kind of the wild, wild west in your life. And when you look back on it, when you don't have firm boundaries or you don't address these, these micro irritations or whatever is they're happening, it, often it just, there's a bigger and bigger and bigger kind of silent chasm that's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of really hard to kind of reconcile because again, there is no like, oh my gosh, she stole my husband moment. You know what I mean? Or my partner, whatever. So I think like for me, the, the, the clearest indicator of like what relationships you should get out of is the, st- it starts with yourself and just going way back to like, 
who am I at the core and who, what relationships are not, are not, you know, honoring that. And what's my responsibility, as you also said, in, in, um, allowing this relationship to get to this point, can it be pulled back on track? If I do show up in a different way, is the relationship still valuable? So, so much of this is just an audit and an awareness about what is actually happening in your life. And again, to me, like, it's so shocking because we are so razor focused on the other factors in our lives, but not these particular relationships. Yeah, I love that. And I'm really, you know, zoning in on two words you said. You said audit and you said responsibility, which implies that we have a sense of ownership and contribution. Sure. No matter how the conflict went down, we are playing some part, whether we know it or not. And so I I love that because, you know, I'm sure you see it too. A lot of the, the public dialogue and, and, and pop culture and all that, it's just so easy to vilify one person and the other person was the victim. And that's, you know, the narrative that just feels so good and black and white and easy, as I'm sure you, you see a lot. Yeah. Um, with with people you work with, and so um, yeah, it's nice to kind of of see you kind of unpack how any conflict we first have to start with. How did I contribute? How did I put myself in a position where I was going against my values and boundaries from the very beginning? And- One of the things that's really important is I hear all the time. I don't know about you, but she's so toxic, and labeling the other person as toxic. And the yes. fact of the matter is. There are very few actually in like kind of the norms of society talks truly toxic people, right? There may be people that are behaving badly, but you have to understand it is the relationship. It is the relational factor between two people. There might be people behaving badly, but you are also tolerating that and have tolerated what in you needs to be a part of this. That's not about blaming you, but let's get clear on why you've stayed in this for so long. Cause that also is very good information or why you cannot get out of it. Like your own fears and anxieties. The truth is, is that a lot of these toxic people have perfectly fine relationships with other people. And again, that's not about blaming you right? It's just about what the self-awareness piece and the responsibility piece. Um, I, I talk about in the book, a story where I think we all one time or another had a friend that's like, you know, great and kind of the life of the party, but also her life is always falling apart. Like there's always <laughs> something going on. You know what I mean? So I had this one friend, this is about 10 years ago. And, she, and she, that was her. She was like big personality, always doing fun things. But literally I felt like every two weeks, like I get like a 911 call from her. Like I've been kicked out of my apartment. My salon's on fire. My dog got hit by a car. Like the, you're just like, how can this like mathematically keep, you know, the, <laughs> the stats are staggering here against you. Right. But I would come in and sh- I would be the one she would call and I would come in and like, all right, you know, workshop this and like take so much energy to like come up with solutions. And then the next day I would be like exhausted. And for her, it would be like, nothing had happened. Like, it would just be like, oh, cool. Like, you know, you know, she would, she'd say thank you, but it was like, this is just the way she rolled. And I would throw so much energy into fixing it. And of course it got to a very extreme situation and I had to end the friendship, but of course I ended it. And I was like, God, she's so toxic, good riddance. But I had a really missed opportunity there. And I kind of reflected on this all these years later when I was writing the book, like, of course she was the one that was, you know, behaving and and going through life and, you know, not necessarily the best manner, but I, 
I, there was something in me that had this God complex where mm. I'm going to fix her. I'm, I'm the only person that can save this person. And so that started to become this dynamic, right? She wasn't running to everybody else. She was running to me. So what in my ego, what we, or my fragile ego needed to be seen and operate in this way. And again, I wasn't doing anything necessarily bad, right? But the way I was showing up and the way I needed to be seen in this relationship was also part of the problem. While we're there, I'd love to kind of spend some quick time there about, you know, toxicity itself, because maybe since we don't have the language and nuance to differentiate between toxicity and a person who's just obnoxious or, or difficult, has a difficult personality, you know, how would you define that? I know there's, there's so much literature on it, but how do we define and differentiate between a friend who's obnoxious or not compatible in this season and a friend who truly is toxic? Yeah. So for me, like the, the real litmus test around that is that when, you are with this person, you start acting, you act in a way that is not necessarily true to who you are and it feels different. And that at first, a lot of times that often feels fun. Like, oh, wow, this person's really, you know, like opening up a a different part of my, my wild side or my whatever. Right. And so it feels fun. But when after the dust settles, it ends up feeling like hmm, I'm doing things that feel a little out of character. Another thing is, do you feel really exhausted after seeing this person constantly, habitually? Do you feel like drained? Because that's also a, 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 a kind of a red flag that like energetically, this is just not like you're being pulled off course of who you are. And that's why it's so exhausting. Do you, I think also like, do you spend most of your time with this person kind of in negativity. In other words, like there's a lot, there can be a lot of, you know, talking shit or talking badly and you kind of get sucked into the vortex of, of, of participating in that. That's another way where it's like, it, sometimes it feels so good. You feel like, oh, I'm just kind of complaining or bitching about something, you know, and that can feel good and a good release. But if that's kind of the kind of vortex you're getting pulled into, and that's like the default setting of that relationship, I think that also is, is, is kind of like a red flag. That's not where you want to live. And this, we have this in the zeitgeist. We understand generally certain behaviors that are not acceptable and then certain behaviors that are absolute must. And so here we are as a friend accepting being canceled on 10 times. This is ludicrous. When you put, when you juxtapose it with other types of relationships, mm-hmm. the stakes aren't necessarily as high, of course, as a romantic partner, you know, that you're going to sign up for life with, but still they should be in the arena. You know what I mean? It should mm-hmm. be in the same arena. And the same thing is true of the good things. Like she has a big heart. If you were dating a guy and you were like, you know, he's really funny. He doesn't have the biggest heart, but do, you go, what? He's <laughs> you know what I mean? But for friends, right. we're saying that like, that's like the big selling feature. Like, I hope they have a big heart. Hello. That's yeah. like round zero. Yeah. So good. And I, and I appreciate you putting it in a romantic context because it's often there where we're more definitive, right. With what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. Right. Totally. It's just like, and I feel like we've had, because it's in the zeitgeist and because, you know, we've had years and years of therapy around it, not necessarily you as an individual, but you've heard about it. It's just so out there. Like you're talking to your friends about what is and what isn't acceptable with the guy or the woman that you're seeing, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't put up with that, but we don't have those conversations around the friendships. So we're out there kind of swinging blindly and accepting bad behavior and oftentimes maybe delivering bad behavior and just like not aware of it and not putting like, these are the bare minimums. This is where I want to be in this. 
Let's see if I can live somewhere closer to the top than, than the bottom. And if not, then out, bye. What are some of your quick do's and don'ts of, of having the conversation if you deem one necessary in an effort to, to let a friendship go? In a nutshell, the first thing you need to do is again, start with yourself, say, you know, where am I? Does this relationship, even if it's broken, does it feel like it could, if I worked on it or recommitted to it, do I think it could be saved? Is it worth saving? Okay. If you assess that it, no, it's not. Then what you really need to do is understand. I think the first thing is to really envision like what my life is, you know, spend five, 10 minutes saying, what is my life going to be like without this person in it? Just kind of sit in that, feel it, right? Okay, okay. Because a lot of people do this. And again, they think it's about the other person and getting rid of the other person and never take the time in advance to say, oh, how is this actually going to sit with me? Even though you're going to probably, you'll probably feel like a sense of relief or upset. But also if the relationship at any point has good, there is a bit of mourning and there will be a bit of like a sense of loss. So you kind of want to be prepared for that. So you don't make a move and then go back on it, right? Mm-hmm. Be in Or get talked back into the relationship because oftentimes the other person will be trying and get you back. You know, it is, it is very much again, like dating in the sense when somebody breaks up, you know, it's not just like, okay, I'm out. They'll want to, you know, kind of a lot of times they'll want to see if it can be worked out. And so you need to be very clear. And a lot of, if you haven't processed or it begun to process, okay, there will be a void. There will be some kind of loss. There will be the, then you can get sucked right back into that relationship. And it takes a lot of courage to have these conversations to begin with. So you don't want to have to have it like twice. Then the next thing is you really need to understand the other person. And so for me, like, it's always your first choice as though it's the most difficult is to have a a conversation either in person or on the phone with your voice. So you're really like, there's, you know, it takes courage. And I think it's, it, it, it's, it, it'll demand a bit of respect if you can pull it together and say to the person either in person or are on the phone. But having said that, it depends on the other person. And if the other person is really reactive, really defensive, um, in any way, kind of like skewing towards the hysterical as opposed to the, you know, more, you know, rational. The goal is for you to give the message to the person in the way that is best received. So if they are not, if they are going to get defensive and fly off the handle and not hear what you are saying, then you might want to go for an email or a text. But yeah, I mean, I think the thing is to pay respect to anything that was good in the relationship and say why it's important for you and for the other person for you to move on in different directions, you know? Yeah. So good. And so helpful for those women who are listening and have been grappling for the past five years (laughs) with whether or not to release a a friendship. And then, and and partly because they can't even visualize what, what the releasing would look like. There's so much fear in the release. So often like the friendships that we've been in at one point have been good, really good, you know? And that's, why you were friends with them to begin with. And then life happens or circumstance happen and you start to either go in a different course or, you know, not feel as fondly for the person. But when you can make a kind of clear cut, a line in the sand, I think you can still then walk away from that relationship and say, oh yeah, we had great times. Oh, I learned this. I had I had this great memory. Da-da. When you don't, and for five years, you've been wondering if you should get out of it or not, that's the dominant kind of memory, right? It's like this irritation and this, kind of like self-loathing because you haven't been able to make a move. And so then that's what kind of the takeaway shot, the parting shot is, as opposed to any kind of good 
you know, solid memories or experiences you have with that person kind of get pushed to the back. And now this is kind of what you're leading with. So you don't want to do that either. That's like ugly. You want to lean into the beauty of whatever happened. And by you not dealing with something that's not working for you over a long period of time, you're what you're going to be is like very steeped in the ugly of that relationship. So you've, you've shed so much light in this conversation, which I know for, for women, it's like, okay, where do I sign up for this book? Because I need more. So I so appreciate you lending your insights. Where can women follow along with, with all that you've got going on and further insights on friendship? Sure. So um, on all social, I'm at Erin Falconer. Um, I, you can find me on erinfalconer.com and I often do friendship workshops and stuff like that. You and I should do something. By I know as you're speaking, I'm like, why is this not a collaboration? Yeah, let's do it. I'm totally down. <laughs> all right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. If you have a friendship that you're currently considering terminating, I want you to privately reflect on the following two questions before you make any decisions. Question one, how have you contributed to the current dynamic of the situation, either actively or passively? Take some time to evaluate the role that you have played. And question number two, should you choose to move forward, what would be the most appropriate means of releasing the friendship? No matter how uncomfortable that it might be to do so, which is most suitable in a way that reflects the dignity and respect that you have for the relationship? I'll give you some time to think that over. And then, of course, if you need support as you make this decision, please feel free to reach out. And I encourage you to either book a one-on-one session with me because I'd love to unpack this with you in a an uninterrupted 75-minute um, session together. Uh, or you can consider joining our group coaching program. The next cohort begins in November. And you can get all that information over at betterfemalefriendships.com. So until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.